we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for July 21st, 2013. And today, kind of our the typical study I've been getting into lately that I've been doing uh, about every two weeks um, regarding just a lot of different current events, trying to keep up with, and uh, a lot of times how that relates to the Bible, the Word of God. So going... Before we get going into the study, just some Bible verses here to kind of set the tone. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's where our true hope should be. Not hope in our own uh, efforts, not hope in whatever preparations we've made, of not to say that that's not prudent to do things like that. But our true hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, then it goes on to say, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So this has to do with, with our salvation, essentially. Uh, what our inheritance is that's not corrupted, it's not defiled, it's pure. Um, and it's, it's not going to be fading away either. It's reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, works will follow salvation. And you can show someone, the Bible talks about can you um, showing someone you know, your faith and, and your salvation by your works and these types of things. Um, and work should always follow, and the fruit of the Spirit as well, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance, those types of things. Uh, but that's not what saves you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, his shed blood on the cross. Um, this, this is what saves you, and if you're not familiar with this, go to contendingfortruth.com, and I did, I've done a whole series on salvation. Just click the True Salvation tab at the, at the top of the website. And uh, it'll walk you through that. So, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith, unto salvation. Always boils down to faith. When you look at the when you look at salvation, that the study of that, so much of it boils back to faith. And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. So, and without faith it is impossible to please God. So, uh, if you lack faith, now the Bible talks about asking God for more faith, uh, and, and also reading the word of God, hearing the word of God, these are things that build your faith. Exercising your faith also builds it up. It's like a muscle, if you don't use it ever, tends to atrophy. Um, meaning it gets smaller, it shrinks. It, it, if you're not using your faith, then it tends to stay stagnant or go in the opposite direction, just like a muscle would. So, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, and we're in the last times now, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. The Bible talks about Jesus being tempted at all at all points as as man is, and uh, 
temptations, just the wickedness and sin of the world can give you a heavy heart. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, this talks a, a little bit about that, where um, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, and that's all part of the whole, the trial of our faith. It's, it's, it's what happens after we're saved. Being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, which relates to what I just read. Whom, whom having not seen, ye love, you never seen him. Of course, I guess some claim to, you know, of seeing Jesus Christ. I, I'm not going to try to put God in the box here. Uh, um, but I'd also be careful because the angel, uh, Satan can come as an angel of, of light, the Bible says, and it's no marvel for his ministers to also appear as ministers of righteousness. Satan is the great counterfeiter. So if you have some Adonis-looking, long-haired, perfect-looking Jesus showing up, and he's preaching another gospel to you, well, the Bible says if we are an angel from heaven preaching another gospel, let that man be accursed, or let that angel be accursed. In other words, it's a counterfeit. It's, it's a satanic knockoff. And Satan's always trying to counterfeit stuff. And I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people that say they're hearing from God, um, like on the internet and these internet prophets a lot of times, yet what they're, what they're saying that God supposedly told them does not line up with the word of God. Okay, or they're preaching another gospel. So, let them be accursed. They're anathema. You know, don't you know, mark them, which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. So, you want to mark them, stay away from them, you know, uh, the Bible says a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. You don't have to just keep sitting there and plowing all your effort into somebody that's an obvious heretic. Satan will use that person to burn as much of your time, as much of your precious time as possible. To try to make you ineffective or if nothing else just to burn your time so you can't actually use your time on something that God meant you to use it for. Because we only have a finite amount of time we're dealing with here, and, and uh, it's almost like every second counts. So, you got to be careful with that. And, and what I said earlier about the whole long-haired, blue-eyed, Adonis-looking Jesus, the Bible says that when Jesus was here on earth, there was no beauty in him that we would behold him. And the whole thing about him having long hair. The Bible says, does it nature therefore itself teacheth us that it is a shame for a man to have long hair. But a woman's long hair is her glory. And that's what the Bible talks about in the New Testament. So, it's not biblical to see all this Jesus, Adonis looking figures with long hair. And we got those images from the Catholic Church, I believe originally through Michelangelo, and they've been perpetuated down through the ages as this is what Jesus looks like. And it's not what Jesus looks like. 
Okay? But, guess what? One of the coming Ascended Master uh, people on the horizon that's yoked up with Maitreya and all the, uh, these other supposed Ascended Masters that are waiting in the wings to save humanity from ourselves, essentially... Basically what they are, devils or fallen angels masked as, as human-looking-like figures. These people that are going, going to come on the scene are not people. These entities that are going to come on the scene in the end times to save humanity, the chief of which will be the Antichrist and then the false prophet, one of them is named Jesus Esau Sananda Emmanuel, or Master Jesus. And he looks exactly like all those pictures that the Catholic Church has given us. And we know nothing evil comes out of the Catholic Church, right? <laughs> You mean just the blood of 50 plus million martyrs on their hands. Many of them were true born again Christians during the Inquisitions alone. You know, uh, we're going to get into that today a little bit on the Catholic Church. You've been touching on a lot of different subjects. So be careful of that too. Because a lot of people have those images in their houses and they literally worship those images. They're in all the churches. And these are cursed items, objects. These are cursed Pictures, paintings, whatever. You're bringing a curse in your house when you bring... You're bringing a, a picture of an ascended master in your house and calling it holy. It's a graven image. We're not, we're not to bow down to graven images. I think Jesus Christ purposely didn't... There were no images of him um, that survived so that we wouldn't worship him. But people, because of devils and demons in false religion, have this penchant for wanting to bow down and worship something or say, oh, this is like whether the Catholics call it a relic or a dead corpse that, they, that they'll go and worship saint whatever from whatever uh, hundreds of years ago. Um, all these morbid, disgusting things that they worship. And I'm picking on them, but there's a lot of other religions that do similar things. And they want to bow down and worship graven images, or relics, or objects, or whatever. Satan's all over that. There's no Bible for it, though. Um, there's no Bible for that whatsoever. I mean, it's even in, you know, the Ten Commandments. Not bowing yourself down to these graven images, or, or images of things in the air, or below the ground, or on the ground. I mean, we're not supposed to do that. So, stay away from that as well. So then, it says, Whoming... Whom having not seen ye love, and whom, though now we see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the end of our faith, even the salvation of your souls. So, um, I thank my listeners, Lanny and Susan, they sent me those verses this week, and I wanted to read them. So the end of our faith, when it's all said and done, is the salvation of our souls. So I thought that was a good kind of positive verses to kind of start things out here. And because uh, typically the information we get into tends to be negative. And, um, but as a watchman, this is what I, I'm commissioned to do, you know, and uh, to point out and to warn. Because there's so many pitfalls, not pitfalls nowadays that, you know, it, we, it's, it's good to stay on top of these things. So this is a, uh, the first one is called. Imam calls for destruction of the USA and Europe, and it, it says, We warn you, O America. Hundreds of worshippers at Jerusalem's Alaska Mosque, which is like the main mosque, basically on the Temple Mount, it's what the Jews and, the, and Islam fight over on the Temple Mount. It's the third most holy site in Islam. 
believe they believe it's the site where Muhammad descended into heaven or whatever. Actually, maybe it was a site he he, dis, he d- descended into hell, not ascended into heaven. But anyway, um, hundreds of worshippers at Jerusalem's Alaska Mosque responded with cries of Allah Akbar, which they say means God is great. No, it means Allah is great. Okay, how can you say Allah? Allah is not God. What are you talking about? Allah is the moon god. <laughs> He's the moon god. He, he's, been, he's a pagan deity that's been worshipped for thousands of years in the Middle East. They've, they've, un, they've uncovered all kind of archaeological evidence of even before Muhammad was here, that's what Allah was. Okay, Just one of the pantheon of fallen angelic, most likely fallen angelic, uh, supposed gods with a small g, that they, that's been worshipped in the Middle East for, for thousands of years. That's all it is. So, when they say Allah Akbar... Which is also, if you buy halal slaughtered meat, which now they're serving in a lot of places, uh, they'll typically have to put the um, the little halal sticker. I've done teachings on this. You can just key in H-A-L-A-L, halal, in the keyword box, keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I, I've to- I talked about this two or three times. And if you buy halal slaughtered meat, it's supposedly, and now what I hear they do is they actually play a recording most of the time. But as as the chicken's being slaughtered, the recording is saying, um, Allah Akbar, which is, Allah is great. So, this, the, the Bible talks about eating foods offered to idols. You know, and if you know food has been offered to idols, you want to stay away from that. There's no Bible for, for eating it. Okay, there's no Bible for consuming food always offered to idols or whatever. Um, so this would be something you'd want to you'd want to stay away from. And I think that's why a big reason why they're trying to bring all these halal meats. Now, granted, they got the cheese, they got everything else, but the other foods, I don't think they're actually doing the al akbar because obviously, if you make cheese, you're not slaughtering anything, you know. But there probably is a demonic component as well. I try to, to never buy foods that are halal certified, ever. Um, so, anyway, just want to throw that in there. So, um, hundreds of worshippers at Jerusalem's Alaska Mosque responded with cries of Allah Akbar, meaning Allah is great, to Imam al-Hamori's calls for the destruction of America, France, Britain, and Rome. I mean, they're doing this right on the Temple Mount. I'm surprised they didn't call for the destruction of Israel. I mean, because that's their main enemy. I guess they figured, well, we don't quite want to go that far. I don't know. And he did this during a prayer gathering, marking the start of Ramadan on Friday, which is like their highest Islamic devil holiday. A video that was posted on the internet on July 12th and translated by the Middle East Media Research Institute shows Al-Hamari inciting the crowd in the old city with calls to conquer and destroy the enemies of the nation of Islam. He says, quote, We warn you, O America, take your hands off the Muslims. Who do you think we are, America? We are the nation of Islam, a giant and mighty nation which extends from east to west. Soon, we will teach you a political and military lesson. Allah willing, Allah Akbar, uh, all glory to Allah. So they're really keen on... on placating that good old devil moon god, um, Allah. And uh, goes on to say, Al-Hamori, who belongs to the Jerusalem-based Pan-Islamic Party of Liberation Organization, 
went on to warn U.S. President Barack Obama of the rise of Islamic Caliphate, a United, um, which is a united Muslim empire that will impose religious law on all of its subjects. Also, the actual definition of this caliphate is an Islamic state led by a supreme religious as well as political leader known as a caliph, meaning a literal successor to the Islamic prophet Muhammad. I think in this particular case, this would be their coming awaited savior, the um, Imam Mahdi, or the 13th Imam, who is really what they're what Islam, and I understand there's Sunni and there's Shia, I understand that, that there's, there's uh, differing factions within Islam. But a ton of them are waiting for this Imam Mahdi. And I guarantee you one thing, when whatever it is makes its appearance, this coming awaited savior of Islam, all of the other sects of Islam are going to get on board real quick. I got a feeling. <laughs> Because if they don't, they'll be annihilated. Because when you have that type of religious fervor, and you're going to have lying signs and wonders and miracles going along with all this stuff, they're going to get on board real quick. So you'll see a united Islam at that point. I really, I, I believe that. Uh, that will be the main thing that will unite them. Anyway, so, um, so they were saying that, he went on to warn U.S. President Barack Obama of the rise of Islamic Caliphate, a united Muslim empire, that will impose religious law on all of its subjects. So see, this is what they want to do, and this is what they are doing in every country that they're infiltrating. It just matters the percentage of their population and how much resistance they get. In Europe and in these types of places now, the UK, I mean, a lot of these countries that once had very minimal Muslim presence are just turning into an absolute nightmare to live in. I mean, it's happening in America. Um, in certain parts more than others. Michigan, Texas seem to be worse Tennessee, but it's not near to the extent I believe it's at in, in the UK. And uh, they want to impose Sharia law everywhere they go, which would be just... In other words, they just want to force their religion down everyone's throat because they believe it's their birthright to conquer all of the infidels who are unbelievers in Islam. And they will either convert or die. This is what the Quran tells them to do. Kill, behead, slay, rape the, the infidel women. And we're going to see that in a second here, that that's all mandated and, and, and uh, justified, as, as long as, you know, uh, hey, Muhammad, you know, took a child bride, Alicia, at, at um, uh, six, or Aisa, I, something along those lines. And supposedly, and admitted to consummating the marriage when she was nine. So, this guy was a pedophile pervert from the pit of hell. And he is the foundation upon which this devil religion was started. So the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Well, <laughs> when you got a corrupt, evil foundation, and then you have it based on the worship of Allah, the moon god which was just another pagan deity that they had worshipped for thousands of years, then you've got you know, a recipe for disaster as far as a false religion goes. So this four-minute video also shows demonstrators chanting, Oh, Obama, listen up. The caliphate shall return. Our nation will never be humiliated. Yo, yes, you are. <laughs> you are going to be humbled and humiliated 
and uh, particularly when Jesus Christ comes back on a white horse. But anyway, and then he, it goes on to say, we want to cleanse it of the impure. Oh, they're so pure. These wonderful Muslims that go around killing, raping, blowing people up, imposing their hypocritical religious beliefs, while they themselves would turn around and do all manner of wickedness and evil. I mean, child brides, just mentioned the whole penchant for pen, uh, pedophilia. Uh, key in this, in, in the old YouTube Google search box, Dancing Boys of Afghanistan. Key in that. <laughs> oh, these, these are Muslims, hardcore. And they take um, little boys, like 7, 8, 9, 10, dress them up as girls, and we're going to talk about that today as well, and have them dance around at these parties they throw, and they're all, I mean, I've seen the documentary. It is so disgusting and depraved and evil. It was all like the BBC. I mean, there's nothing like, the, it's not like they're, they're showing, but they're, these boys are dressing up like girls in veils and going out there and dancing for all these pedophilic, pervert, Muslim, demon-possessed to the toenail guys. And they're all sitting around basically drooling over little boys. And they'll bid on the little boys at the end of the night to see who has enough, I mean, it's basically who has enough money. And they literally buy them and take them in. While they, they themselves might be married, then they'll have all of these little, if they can afford it, these, it's like a status symbol. Where they're, they're, they're you know, raping these little boys, and I, I guess that's, you know, I guess Allah approves of all that. It's a disgusting, filthy, perverted, hypocritical cult, death cult, truly, that produces nothing but evil, rotten, disgusting fruit. And Jesus Christ said, by their fruit ye shall know them. And <laughs> the fruit of Islam is just getting worse and worse and worse. This just came out. Um, Ten-year-old boy denied water by teacher on the hottest day of the year to avoid upsetting Muslims during Ramadan. So now we talk about Ramadan again a little bit here. Uh, so it goes on to say, the question isn't what links will authorities to go to in submission to Islam. The question is what won't they do to appease Islam, essentially. You know, there's, it's funny. The more wicked a religion is, the more evil it is, the more protected it is. Or the more wicked whatever you're doing is, the more protected. If you're a bisexual, trans, uh, transsexual, homosexual, sodomite going out, well, you are in an unbelievably good place right now in the world, in a protected class. Uh, I'm not saying worldwide, but in, in all of these secular, uh, very, very secular places, particularly like America and Europe and these types of places, you're going to be a, on a very, very protected uh, basis for a lot of those places. Um, if you're in America, you're pro-abortion, these types of things, you're going to be protected. Um, if, you, if it's wicked, evil, like Islam, the more wicked and evil it is, the more protected it's going to be, and the, and the less and less you'll be able to say anything out against it, negatively, in, in the press, or the press won't report on it. Or you'll be persecuted if you dare say anything. I mean, they'll kill you. A, a Muslim in these, in these nations that are dominated by Muslims, they'll kill you in a heartbeat if you say anything against Muhammad. I mean, it's been proven over and over again. So, it goes on to say, it's one thing to fast during the day, it's another thing to force non-Muslims to adhere to your religion. But see, that's what Sharia law is all about. 
forcing the infidel into servitude um, and either ultimately converting them or killing them to have one world globally dominated nation of Islam. Wouldn't that be a wonderful place to live in? Wow. I mean, I can't imagine a more idyllic fun. I think fun is the operative word I'm really searching for here. Um, place to kind of live in. I mean, I think it'd just be wonderful. Anyway, the Jews fast on Yom Kippur, but you never hear non-Jews fasting as well in deference to the Jewish tradition. Same thing with bacon. Observant Jews don't eat bacon, but they certainly don't force anyone else to is uh, to not eat it. Unlike Muslims who seek to impose their restrictions on non-Muslims. That's what Islam is all about. It's one of the reasons they want to go and absolutely totally annihilate Israel. Not only does the Quran command it in their other unholy writings, but they're seeking to impose their will on everyone around them. Particularly if they're not Islam. And if they are Islam... What ends up happening in these countries is they become more and more and more radicalized. Where, you know, it's just stricter and stricter and stricter based on whatever uh, this cult is teaching. So, teachers denied the schoolboy who was 10 years old water on the hottest day of the year to avoid upsetting the Muslim pupils during Ramadan. I think this was in England. And um, Cora Blagden claimed a teacher at her son's school refused to let the 10-year-old drink from his water bottle on the hottest day of the year because it was unfair to the fasting classmates. <laughs> this is the politically correct world we've come to now. Many pupils at Charles Dickens Primary School in Portsmouth, Hampshire, are fasting during Ramadan, which means they refrain from taking food or water between sunrise and sunset for about 30 days, depending on the, depending on the moon. Well, why? Because it's the moon god they're worshipping. Now understand, this is mass witchcraft. Ramadan right now is mass global, because Islam's on every continent, I believe. It's mass global witchcraft. These people are not fasting to God. This witchcraft, when you fast and you pray in whatever witchcraft uh, cult, whatever cult that you're in, it's all considered witchcraft in God's eyes. You know, it's like there's no gray area here. It's either you are praying to the God of the Bible, to Father God, you know, through the Lord Jesus Christ, you're either doing it the right way through the Bible or you're doing it the wrong way in some cult. And they take their cult religion very seriously. So you have to understand, this is mass witchcraft on a global scale. And, and it is something that Christians should be literally praying against to counteract all of this mass witchcraft. Because they take their cult so seriously and because they are so demon-possessed and generationally demon-possessed to the toenails, their witchcraft has a lot of power. Witchcraft does have benefit. I mean, people would not become witches unless there were benefit. Now, I'm not saying that, that you know these people are outward witches, but they are participating in witchcraft when they fast and pray to a fallen angel. To grant whatever they're wanting. Okay, that's the essence of witchcraft. So, um, anyway, so then they give the contact information for this primary school if you wanted to contact them, um, the email address and the phone number. And I liked what they said at the end. Okay, said all of what I've said. And then it says, meanwhile, the Ramadan Bamathon continues. As of Friday, the Ramadan Bamathon 2013 scorecard 
reads from day four. This is just four days into Ramadan, okay? Um, terror attacks. 27 in just four-day period from um, the religion of peace, Islam, okay? Now, how many terror attacks in, any, in the name of any other religion on the planet? Well, none. Zero. What about by Islamophobes, the people that don't like Islam? No, there's no terror attacks from them either. There, but there's 27 for Islam, and that's just day four of Ramadan. So they're starting out strong. Now, how many dead bodies did, that, did those 27 attacks generate? Well, only 112. And we're just day four. They were just, at the time of this writing, it was only day four in Ramadan. So I love pointing out the unbelievable hypocrisy of Islam. The, the, I mean, hey, it's okay for them to kill. It's the religion of peace, right? You know, they can kill, bomb, rape, mutilate, whatever. Do whatever they want to do. Bury people alive, cut their heads off, you know. Anything pretty much goes. Um, but all of these other religions, and I'm not saying that the other religions are right, unless it's true Bible-believing Christianity, but there's no terror attacks. There's no um, dead bodies generated. Only Islam. And it is by far the most protected cult on the planet right now. I mean, because look at what they get away with. Can you imagine if even the Catholics had done this in a four-day period? Or any sect of pseudo-Christianity? Or Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses or Hindus or Buddhists? I mean, come on. Um... Then it goes on to say, if you think all religions are the same, then you haven't been paying attention. Well, there's only two religions on the planet. There's Bible-believing Christianity, okay, and then there's all the other isms, okay, which are all based on works. You you get to heaven based on your works. You get to you get to Nirvana based on whatever you're trying to get to. It's all works based. So, again, if you're not understanding the concept of salvation. Go to contendingfortruth.com and click on the uh, True Salvation tab. So anyway, I wanted to point that out, though, the unbelievable hypocrisy there. And then now we go into Muslim law in action. Norwegian woman says, I was raped in Dubai and now I face a prison sentence for it. <laughs> this is Islam in action. Norwegian interior designer Marty Dalalev has spoken out after being handed a 16-month prison sentence in Dubai after she went to the police to report she had been raped by a colleague. The 24-year-old was convicted and sentenced on charges of having unlawful sex, making a false statement, and the illegal consumption of alcohol. I, the, the, the hypocrisy is so unbelievable. This woman gets raped. It's illegal to consume alcohol there. But she gets charged for all of these things, and then they, then they say, no, no, you didn't get raped, you're just lying. Because it takes, under Sharia law, it takes the, the witness of, like, I think, three or four male. When does that ever happen? Three or four other Islamic males to actually go to the police and say, yeah, yeah, she got raped. I guarantee you I, that has never happened ever in the history of Islam. They make it that way on purpose so that they can dominate, domineer, intimidate, and do whatever they want to do to women behind closed doors. It's all on purpose. It's beyond a male-dominated death cult. So then she goes on to tell the whole story of this. This was the front page news on CNN today. So I was kind of glad CNN reported on this because I didn't think they would. I mean, everybody's so politically correct. 
And I don't really want to give CNN any credit for anything, but I was surprised they even brought this up. But it's been front page news in Norway. And uh, so she said she'd been out to a bar with her colleagues and asked a male colleague to walk her to her room when, when they returned to the uh, to 3 a.m. at the hotel. Grant, she shouldn't have been doing that in a bar, 3 a.m., male colleagues, big no-no. But, I mean... <laughs> Particularly, like I said, with Islam, they will condone, you know, this type of behavior. Particularly if you're raping an infidel, which she would be considered an infidel in Islam. She's a non-believer. So anything goes on on infidels. You know, if you really get down to, if you really look at what the Quran and these other unholy writings say. And then she said she asked him to escort her because the hotel was large and confusing. She didn't want to be wandering on her own. Knowing that she'd been drinking. They reached a room. She realized it wasn't hers. But the man then pulled her into his room despite her vocal objections. He dragged me in by my purse. So I thought, okay, I need to calm the situation down. I will finish my bottle of water. I'll sit here and I will excuse myself and say I feel fine, she said. That was pretty much the last thing she remembered before the alleged sexual assault. I woke up with my clothes off. He was raping me. I tried to get him off. I tried to get him off, but he pushed me back down. So the typical Islamic animal we're dealing with here, you know. Um, After someone knocked the hotel wake-up call, she managed to get dressed and make it downstairs to the hotel reception. She said, I called the police. That is what you do. We are trained on that from when we're very young, I believe in Norway, okay? She called the police, First thing she did, okay, some 10 or 12 male police officers showed up. They were, statements were both taken from Daliev and the alleged rapist. She was then taken to Bird Dubai Police Station. Um, after giving her version of the events to officers, they asked me, are you sure you called the police because you just didn't like it? <laughs> so this is, this is the type of chauvinistic evil treatment women get at the hands of Islam. And it can be way worse than this. I mean, way worse. I mean, so many reports of these poor girls that grow up in these these families. And I mean, I saw one the other day. These two girls were, I think it was an Indian, they were Islam. They were outside dancing in the rain. And their brother said, oh, you've just disgraced us. And he went and beheaded them both. So this is the type of treatment you get from Islam. And the more you let it take over, the more it becomes radicalized, the more hair splitting will be done by the males. And the women have no rights at all. And they'll kill you in a heartbeat if you do the wrong thing. Particularly if you're in the wrong family or, or in a really, really strict family. So, here's, you know, she actually potentially got off uh, with what we're dealing with here a lot lighter than a lot of other women uh, would have got off, having anything to do with Islam. They'll typically kill them, you know, if they've, if supposedly they've dishonored anything in any way, shape, or form. They can literally be seen walking with a man, and that's it, you're dead. You've disgraced the family, you need to die now. And they will do it in a horrific way. So, to make an example, uh, just unbelievable. And, um, Dalov said she was taken for an intimate medical exam and then tested for alcohol consumption. Her belongings were taken and she was kept in jail for four days, she said, with no explanation as to why. 
Um, she said she called, managed to call her parents on the third day to tell them she'd been raped and asked them to contact the Norwegian embassy. A day later, a representative from the Norwegian consulate came to the police station and she was released, but her passport was not returned. Then a piece of paper with Arabic text was handed to her and an Arabic speaker told her it listed two charges against her. One for sex outside of marriage. (laughs) She was raped. Yet, they're going to charge her for sex outside of marriage, and the other for public consumption of alcohol. Well, it sounds like they were at a bar downstairs. Why, why were they serving alcohol at the bar? Would they sneak it in or something? I mean, I don't know. It just sounds very weird. Both are violations of the law in the United Arab Emirates. It was the first time she was made aware that she faced charges. She said, a month after the rape, while forced to stay in Dubai as the case wound through the legal system, then she was fired from her job. So, this woman's facing... Let me just go back to the very beginning. A 16-month prison sentence for being raped. That's justice. That's justice Islamic style. And this is what exactly the thing they want to bring to America and every single other country on the face of the planet. Okay, so moving on, we're going to switch gears here. The next report is entitled Catholics and Evangelicals United Again. Highly influential evangelicals are once again proclaiming a common faith in Jesus Christ with the Roman Catholics. Wow. Considering the Roman Catholics essentially worship bread in a box, as my daughter says, um, they worship the communion wafer that they put in the monstrance and they say that that's Jesus and they believe the Catholics literally, the Catholic police priests literally have the power through transubstantiation to change the bread and the wine into the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. Literal, not figurative, literal. That's that's saying something, proclaiming they have a common faith in Jesus Christ, because the Jesus Christ of the Catholics is not the same Jesus Christ to the Bible, was the point I'm trying to make. In a letter defending the biblical position of marriage between one man and one woman, the Catholic and evangelical signatures acknowledge that we are united in our common faith in Jesus Christ. So, they're saying, okay, and this is, the, this is what you have to really be careful about. It would be very easy to somebody that goes to an abortion clinic to protest, and there are, a lot of times Catholics are... The majority of the people at those places, if there's anybody there, and to say, yeah, we have common ground here. I'm going to ignore, let's say you're a true born-again Christian, and I'm going to ignore all of the garbage of your black death cult. Because we have this common ground, I'm going to, I'm going to yoke up, there's, we're not supposed to do that. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what communion hath Christ with Belial, which is the devil? Or he that believeth with an infidel? Catholics are infidels. I'm not saying that there was never an instance where a Catholic couldn't have been saved, but if they're trusting in their own works, if they're trusting in that death cult, then they're not saved. Okay, And if they are saved, they're going to get out. At some point, the Holy Spirit that lives inside them is going to convict them. Oh no, I'll stay and then change it from within. That's going to happen, right? The Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, um, which is Jesus Christ said, "Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees," which is their doctrine. 
It's all based on bad doctrine. Soul damning doctrine is what we're dealing with here. That's what the Catholic death cult is. So, you're not going to change it from within. It's already been corrupted. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's been corrupted from its inception. It was never good. It, it's unredeemable. Okay? So, it's very important to understand that. So, it goes on, this, this declaration says, We're united in our common faith in Jesus Christ. Well, this is so disgusting. Evangelicals who signed the letter include Dr. Erwin Lutzer of the Moody Bible Church, James Dobson, of Focus on the Family, Tony Perkins of the Family Research Center, Dr. Paige Patterson, and uh, President of the Southwestern Baptist Seminary. We got Baptists yoking up with Catholics. Wow. And then Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, of course, also, I believe, of Baptist. And then Jack Hayford and Dr. Tony Evans. Now, a lot of these guys are prominent people on Christian radio. I don't listen to a lot of Christian radio anymore. I can't hardly stomach it. Uh, but I'm talking about when you hear these speakers. But these these are some really, really heavy hitters. And they're openly yoking up with the Catholic whore. It's pretty unbelievable. I cannot believe there's not more outcry, but you're not going to expect a whole lot of outcry from the lukewarm apostate Laodicean Revelation 3, pseudo-Christian church. Not only are these men yoking with Catholics who preach a false and fatal gospel, they have also united in one faith with false teachers such as the prophet Cindy Jacobs and the, quote, prophet Rick Joyner and Chi-Ann, and Chi-Ann who installed Todd Bentley as a prophet. Huh. I've done, uh, just key in Bentley, in the keyword search box. A uh, lot of experience with him. So these people are all yoking up together. Now the guy that wrote the article said, one of the key strategies of the Roman Catholic Church is to reverse the Reformation by persuading evangelicals to come back and unite with Catholics to fight the cultural battles. See, there's no Bible for any of this. The Bible warns against this. Their strategy has been a huge success since 1994, when they drafted the very first Unity Accord, Evangelicals and Catholics together with the late Chuck Colson. All these people are installed by Satan, by the New World Order, in order to ultimately bring about this counter-reformation. Going back to the mother whore, the mother harlot, church, the Catholics. And when all of these ascended masters make their big debut, or you can just call it the, the false prophet and the Antichrist, and they get all the religions together, yoked up together on the world stage. The Catholics are going to be most responsible for bringing the, who they would term as the Protestants, back into the fold. And it's already happening. I mean, if you hold any of these men in high esteem, Franklin Graham or James Dobson or whatever, and all of a sudden you see them, and they're your spiritual whatever mentor, then you're going to think, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I guess we should do it. You know, the Bible says to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If, if you had rightly divided the word of truth, you would know that there's no Bible for any of this. There's no Bible for them to do this. It's exactly the opposite of what the Bible says to do. 
but the Bible predicted this would happen. It predicted there would be a falling away of the church in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And then it says, and then that wicked would be revealed. The wicked is capital W. Well, this is just total proof of the falling away of the church, going back to the Catholic core, and we're right on the cusp of the Antichrist, that wicked, capital W, in the Second Thessalonians chapter 2, being revealed. We're right on the cusp of that. So, this is what we should expect to be happening. And um, it's happening. <laughs> So, while the social and moral issues of our culture are important, we must engage them using spiritual weapons that Paul revealed in Ephesians 6, 11-19, meaning the full armor of God. The spiritual battles cannot be won with weapons of the flesh, or by yoking up with cults. <laughs> um, we must put on the armor of God and proclaim the purity of the gospel. Nothing can be gained by compromising the gospel. So, let's go to the next story. just got this this week. Vatican, this is, this is hilarious actually. I mean, it's not hilarious, it's sad, but it's, it's, it almost sounds like, um, a comedy routine or something. It sounds like some type of, of joke. And, but it's not. Vatican offers time off purgatory for following the Pope on Twitter during World Youth Day. I had to just pause it for a second. My, my daughter was asking me if I had, if I was going to follow the Pope on Twitter during uh, this World Youth Day, and I had to, you know, kind of sheepishly, humbly admit that, yeah, I was going to do it, because I really wanted to knock a ton of time off my purgatory, you know, thing, and uh, and then she reminded me of all the indulgences we've bought in the past, too, and how that would help us as well, and probably we'd only have to spend like 81 years in purgatory, because of all of the other things we've done with the Catholic Church, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I just didn't want to admit it. <laughs> anyway, sorry, just kidding. So, in an effort to modernize one of the oldest practices of the Roman Catholic religion, the Vatican is offering... This is from the Christian News Network, okay? The Vatican is offering indulgences, a reduction of time spent in purgatory, to those who will follow Pope Francis next Monday, I believe it's tomorrow. Yeah, to those who will follow Pope Francis next Monday on Twitter during World Youth Day. This is just beyond, I, I can't even believe what I'm reading. Indulgences were one of the key contentions that sparked the Protestant Reformation during the 16th century through the efforts of Martin Luther, a monk who served the Roman Catholic Church in Wittenberg, Germany. As Luther began studying the scriptures after he was appointed as the chair of the biblical theology, he became consumed with a passion to discover what it meant to be a Christian. In the Catholic Church, he had seen men trying to earn their way to heaven, but as he had read, he realized that salvation was through faith alone in Jesus Christ, which is what I was talking about earlier. And then it goes on to say, um, I think I found the truth at last. This classic film, Martin Luther, depicts Luther as stating to a church official, by faith man lives and is righteous, not by what he does for himself, be it adoration of relics, when we said before about relics, or the singing of masses, or pilgrimages to Rome, or the purchase of pardon for sins, these are indulgences, but by faith in what God has done for him already through his Son. And that's on the cross. So, yeah, good point. Not to say that Martin Luther was perfect or whatever, okay, but, I mean, I think we would all agree that that's pretty accurate what he was saying there. Following the revelation, Luther began to challenge the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church, compiling a list of 95 theses, where he asserted that the Catholic doctrine contradicted the scriptures. 
He was later summoned to appear before a ch- uh, meeting of the church, and he was declared a heretic and, and excommunicated. Even though they can't, they they weren't able to uh, probably refute one shred of what he said. It's just when you have your own death cult, whatever you say goes. You make up the rules. You have that rubber ruler. You stretch it any way you want to stretch it. You know, whatever devil's inside you says, "Oh, I don't like that." Well, okay, then you might, you're you're excommunicated, or you need to be burned at the stake, or you need to die, and we'll use whatever methods necessary, like they did during the Inquisition, where they tortured and killed people in the most unbelievably horrific, perverted ways, particularly women, and said they all did it in the name of God. You know, it's just unbelievable the hypocrisy of Catholicism. So, the offering of indulgences has continued throughout the ages and has evolved in a variety of ways, including the Vatican's latest addition to the pitch, a grant to grant a reduction of the time of purgatory, which isn't even in the Bible anywhere. You've got to go to extra, extra biblical uh, books, Catholic books, in order to even get to purgatory or limbo. One of my favorites, limbo. But, um... Uh, yeah, you, you, I mean, it's nowhere in the Bible anywhere. But hey, you know, like I said, they make things up as they go. So, these are, uh, to grant a reduction of the time of purgatory to those who follow the Pope on Twitter <laughs> during World Youth Day. So now we have social media intimately involved in reducing your time to purgatory. <laughs> What's not the like? I mean, you know, hey, where do I sign up? The offer is only one of a number of accepted tasks. And the Twitter proposition was presented in order to include those who could not attend the event in Brazil in person. But there is a stipulation. Uh-oh. Here's the red tape. Okay. Uh, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but it says here's the stipulation if you do the whole Twitter thing. It says, you must be following the events live. A representative of the Vatican's Apostolic Penitentiary told The Guardian, then he goes on to say, quote, it's not as if you can get an indulgence by chatting on the internet, end of quote. So, okay, you know, to all my listeners out there, if you're going to do this, you better do it right. You know, Satan's watching, and he's taking notes, okay? Oh, sorry. Anyway, so the representative also outlined that the seeker would need to be truly penitent and contrite. So there's another stipulation. You better be truly penitent and contrite. And must also have previously gone to confession, because that's biblical as well. Because, you know, it says that all over the Bible. We're supposed to go and confess our sins before a man, some black robe, most likely pedophile, behind a uh, a whatever, and you're supposed to confess all your sins to him. Uh, I thought the Bible says... Okay, so continuing... Uh, it says, however, Mike Gendron of Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries, a former Roman Catholic, told Christian News Network that the entire concept of offering and granting indulgences is unbiblical. He said, the Vatican's plan of salvation is diametrically opposed to the Gospel of Grace. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, he stated, and so to offer indulgences for being involved or for following the Pope via a Twitter account is so absurd because the Bible clearly says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. And this particular shedding of blood is the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Gendron also stated that the teaching of purgatory is a false doctrine and is an insult to the gospel. Um, He said purgatory denies the efficacy of the blood of Christ. 
because we read in 1 John 1.7 that the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from all sin. He explained, we also see in Hebrews 1.3 that when Jesus made purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God in heaven. So if Catholics would only trust in the blood of Jesus, they would realize that purgatory is a fraud. When asked if it was common for Roman Catholics to seek out indulgences, Gendron advised that for many years, many have indeed carefully followed the instructions from Rome in order to reduce their purported purification time in purgatory. It's just the thing is, all of these other false religions, they've just all got to do it by some type of work. Which is pride. A lot of it stems from pride. They cannot accept the blood of Jesus Christ paying their sin debt. They can't accept that. It's not good enough for them. It's got to be something they do, that they can take credit for, that they can be prideful about. And this is why you see so many people that are sanctimonious that would call themselves a Christian, whether they're a Catholic or whatever. Because they think, well, hey, I'm pretty good. I'm earning my way there. And look at all that I've done. And I'm better than you and all of this sanctimonious garbage, holier-than-thou, condescending, you know, Garbage. Oh, I can't stand that stuff. Um, so, I've said it many times. If I got what I deserved apart from Jesus Christ, all I would get is death and hell. That's it. And, and So, I, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody, but these are the, the type of uh, uh, Catholics in particular. A lot of them really operate in that whole sanctimonious mindset. And a lot of other pseudo-Christians as well. So, at the turn of the millennium, John Paul II offered a plenary indulgence for anybody that would walk through the holy doors of the Vatican. That's a quote um, that he outlined. Uh, the unholy, ungodly, evil doors of the Vatican. So he's saying that they, John Paul II, around 2000, um, he was offering these indulgences just for coming through the holy doors of the Vatican. Why would he say that, I wonder? Oh, I wonder if it was all the money that those same people who were coming there to make these pilgrimages were bringing to the Catholic Church. I'm sure that had nothing to do with it. So all you had to do is walk through the doors, doors of the Vatican. Oh, hey, man, I, uh, I got these indulgences. I mean, they've had indulgences in times past where, you know, uh, you could go and you could rape a three-year-old girl. You could go to the priest before you did it and say, yeah, uh, Mr. Priesty boy, I'm going to rape this three-year-old, some guy, and they would say, what do I got to give uh, for this indulgence to do this? In other words, the sin that you're going to commit with an indulgence is paid ahead of time. And, and you could go and get an indulgence to rape a three-year-old. And thinking that you're already absolved of your sins before you've even committed the act, while you're committing the act, and after. I mean, that if that's not given over to darkness and evil. I don't know what is. And here at the Catholic Church, oh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, you know, there you go. They make a ton of money. And uh, you think you come out smelling like a rose and you're just on your way, you know, to the lake of fire, essentially. <laughs> so that's what they, that's, uh, that's the Vatican. Now, when Pope John Paul offered this indulgence, for anybody that walked through these doors of the Vatican, he goes on to say, there were all kinds of Catholics getting on airplanes to travel to the Vatican to walk through those doors just so that they could have some of their sins forgiven. It's unbelievable. 
He said the Catholics should be mindful to test every man's teachings and to appeal to the word of God as their final authority instead of looking to man. Gendron also urged Christians to use the matter as an opportunity to reach out to the Catholics around them. He goes on to say the best thing that we can do is point Roman Catholics to the scriptures and show them that this system of purgatory and indulgences is a fraud, he explained. Show them that it's a false teaching and call upon them to trust on Christ and his blood for the complete forgiveness of sins. Also, the thing with this is with Catholics and with really any false cult, you've got to, if you've got somebody specifically you're dealing with, you you would really want to pray, obviously, before and also possibly fast because these devils that operate through Catholicism and in the Catholics are very powerful. And they will, um, you'll really see a Catholic's true colors if you try to witness to them. Uh, big time. I did it with my grandma Myers um, on more than one occasion. And uh, first time I had sent her a uh, tape on, um, it was a tape on, it was ex-Catholic priests and nuns. And they were interviewing them and they had all gotten actually saved. And boy, oh boy, she didn't want to hear that. Oh man, she's, don't you ever send me anything. And I'm like, these are ex-Catholics saying this. And I had never even remembered her getting mad in my whole life. I used to go up there in, uh, to Ohio for the summers for like months at a time. I don't remember my, my grandma ever getting like angry like that. But boy, oh boy. You, you, you go there though, and you'll see those demons come out real quick. Real quick. You see a whole other side of somebody. She's a sweet lady. You know, but man, so um, this isn't just a matter a lot of times of, you know, sometimes the Lord will have that door open and, and they're ready, okay? But a lot of times, too, um, it really involves prayer and, and fasting regarding this. Now, some materials you could use, um, I went up on Chick and there's a couple links one of them is entitled, Purgatory is Really Hell. Purgatory's purpose is to burn away the stains of sin that prevent one from full acceptance into heaven. And it goes into what actually, um, the fraud of purgatory. Then the next one is, Roman priests believe they are, they are inferior only to God. Remember what I said through the trans process of transubstantiation? They believe they can turn the Catholic communion wafer and the wine into the literal... Uh, body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so they believe and they're taught that they are only inferior to God. They're like one notch below, evidently. Evangelicals who lack the information about the Roman Catholic system do not realize the elevated view of the priests. Um, and then I listed several tracts here that get into specific Roman Catholic issues. One of them is, are Roman Catholics Christians? Uh, and that one, Catholics trust in their religion and good works for salvation, but neither can save, only Jesus can. And then the next one is called The Awful Truth. Now, I give you a picture of the track and a link to the track. And this one's called The Awful Truth. And it says, is he really the Holy Father or actually something quite different? Not all religion is of God. And then the next track, track is the, called The Death Cookie, which introduces Catholics to the real bread of life, Jesus Christ. It gets into the whole, I believe, the whole process and the fraud of transubstantiation. Um, that they get into that I just mentioned. And then the next one is called, Is There Another Christ? Now there's links to these. You can print these out or you can actually order them. So you can also see the track in other languages. It has a link to that. 
which is pretty cool. Because a lot of other, like, Filipino, there are a lot of um, Filipinos that are Catholics. And that would be primarily Tagalog would be the language there. So it just depends on on um, what person you're witnessing to. Uh, this track, Is There Another Christ, says, Have you ever been lied to? Millions have, trusting in another Christ to save them, the gospel this is the gospel for Roman Catholics. And again, remember what I said is they truly do believe in another Christ. It's not the, the Jesus Christ of the Bible. It's their created Catholic Christ. And this gets into that. Then the, the next one is called Last Rites. When the church, when this Catholic dies, he learns that his church could not save him. Because that's one of the whole seven you know, sacraments or whatever, or one of the things that you do prior to death. Uh, that supposedly will will get you, I believe, less time in purgatory. What <laughs> such garbage? And then the, the next one's called Mama's Girls, and the Catholic Church is the mother to four great false religions. She will do anything to keep you from Jesus Christ, and that's very important to understand. That I want to click on that. It looks like it has the mother whore Babylon in the background with her couple of abominations that she's raising this is what the cover says and then it has a her little horror harlot daughters one has a nazi um pendant around her neck the next one has a communist russian uh sickle and hammer around her neck the next one looks like a freemasonic one and then the next one is islam and and a lot of people don't understand that islam actually uh, the Catholic Church had a lot to do with the formation of Islam. So this gets into that, and uh, a lot of people don't understand that the, you know, the Catholic Church spawned other evil religions. Then the next tract is called Papa, and it says, Anthony must choose, will he believe the Pope or and burn in purgatory, or believe on Jesus Christ and go to heaven? And this has to do, I believe, more with the Pope. Then the last one is called Why is Mary Crying?, and it says devotion to Mary doesn't please her, it breaks her heart. And, and this goes to the fact that Mary was not sinless like they say she was. And they even prove it with the Bible verses where she took actually a sin offering with Joseph. If she was sinless, why would she ever have to take a sin offering in the Bible? But they you know, get into the whole immaculate conception, she was sinless, she used to be worshipped. Now they basically view Mary as what they call the co-redemptrix. Meaning you have to get saved through both her and Jesus. And primarily through her, because the way like the Baltimore Catechism lists it, is it shows Jesus Christ on the throne. This is what they're brainwashed with, the Catholic children. And he's like mad, and he's beating the sides of the throne. And then you have Mary, his mother, on the side of the throne, is the only one that can really calm him down. So, the message is you go through Mary to get to Jesus. Because if you don't go through Mary, you can't get to Jesus. But the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, not Mary. So this gets into all of that in, in, in detail. And um, it's a good track for, for that, conquering that. Now also, then you have all the, of the Marian apparitions. If you can, I believe it's messages from heaven um, and maybe Catholicism in the keyword search box at... Um, like YouTube, you can probably watch that for free. And it goes through all of these apparitions that are happening all over the world. Many of them are Marian apparitions, where she's saying, I am co-redemptrix, and she's emphasizing herself, and she's leading people away from Jesus Christ. You know it's a devil. And these are all Catholic-approved, sanctioned visions. 
And people, Catholics will go all over the world looking for all of this garbage, paintings that are oozing stinking oil, and blood come out of, of statues of Mary's, she's like crying blood, and all of this garbage, and these supposed apparitions, none of them are biblical. They're all pointing people away from the word of God, and to the Catholic Church, or to some idol. And, you know, the Catholics don't really question it, because they're, 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 they're not, their religion is not based on the word of God. It's based on experience, emotion, and whatever the Catholic Church tells them to do, typically. It's works-based. And, um, you know, that's that's how they operate. So those are all the tracks you can click on. And I think all of them come in these other languages. So that, that might help you in your quest to maybe witness to somebody. Now, uh, particularly if they're Catholic, the next report is entitled, Another, mir- quote, miracle approved for Catholic sainthood. The Vatican has reportedly approved a second miracle that can be attributed to the memory of Pope John Paul II, thus opening the, opening the door for him to become a saint faster than anyone in recent history. Uh, this is a guy that <laughs> Pope John Paul II I just paused it for a second because I wanted to just to touch on this. This is the guy they're going to fast track sainthood for, okay? Pope John Paul II, you know. And this is an article I've reported on in times past. It's entitled, Pope John Paul II's Past Employment, Zyklon B Salesman. And you understand what that means in a second. In his book, Behold a Pale Horse, former U.S. Naval Intelligence Officer William Cooper relates a story associated with the IG Farben Chemical Company, who I've reported on many times. They're, the, they're basically the modern-day backbone for the pharmaceutical industry. This was what provided financial backing for the medical colleges that were transferred all over to pharmaceutical protocol regimes for every disease, which didn't cure anything but perpetuated the disease and created side effects that you would have to take more drugs to, to counteract the side effects for until eventually you end up as a surgical candidate, which is all by design by the pharmaceutical companies that basically have funded the medical colleges, the doctors, and the medical profession and the hospitals. Okay, It's all a big scam. Okay. Not saying emergency medicine's bad, but I'm saying for the most part, you just cannot drug somebody into good health. Anyway, IG Farben was the main driving force behind Hitler. He was, IG Farben was the main financial, uh, force behind Hitler's rise to power. So, this was a story related to William Cooper associated with IG Farben Chemical Company. John Paul II, um, uh, in the early 1940s, the, um, in the early 1940s, the IG Farm and Chemical Company employed a, poli- a Polish salesman who sold cyanide to the Nazis for use in Auschwitz. Okay? The same salesman, who at the time was known as Carol Wojtyla, also worked as a chemist in the manufacture of the poison gas. The same cyanide gas, along with Zyklon B and Malathion, was used to exterminate millions of Jews and other groups. Their bodies were then burned to ashes in the ovens. You know, the Nazi Holocaust. After the war, the salesman, fearing for his life, joined the Catholic Church and was ordained a priest in 1946. One of the closest friends of Dr. Wolf Suen... I can't say these names, but... Suenmus, the mastermind behind the November 78, October 1979 experimental hepatitis B vaccine trials that conducted by the Centers for Disease Control in America, 
uh, in New York, San Francisco, and four other American cities that loosed the plague of AIDS on the American people. That's a proven fact. Dr. Horowitz uncovered that, that the, um, these vaccines given to the gay male populations in um, San Francisco and New York and four other American cities were how the AIDS virus was, was created and started. It was through the vaccines that were given to the gay male population through this hepatitis B vaccine. And that's when AIDS came to prominence. And um, just key in um, Dr. Leonard Horowitz, uh, AIDS in the uh, YouTube, and you'll find it. He, he found all the paperwork. This is what they do. This is what pharmaceutical companies do. They unleash death and destruction for the most part. This is what they're about. They're about exterminating the planet, getting us dependent on pharmaceuticals, and creating a weak, a weak sickly population that is totally dependent upon them. So, the salesman was ordained Poland's youngest bishop in 1958. Now, this is the same salesman that we're talking about um, that um, sold the Zyklon B nerve gas and the Malathion to the Nazi death camps that was responsible for killing millions of Jews. And he was he was actually ended up becoming a Catholic priest after World War II, and then he was ordained the youngest bishop, Poland's youngest bishop, in 1958. After a 30-day reign, his predecessor was assassinated. Uh, and our ex-cyanide gas salesman, Carol Wajatilla, assumed the papacy as Pope John Paul II in October of 1978. Um, and this is just one of the many things. So here we have... Uh, Pope John Paul II now being on fast track for sainthood. Okay, This is how wicked and evil the Catholic Church is. And like I've said, the more wicked you are as whatever you end up being, bishop, cardinal, whatever, in the Catholic Church, the higher likelihood, the more sold out to Satan you are, the higher likelihood you could actually be Pope. And this is what we see. I just documented this, the current Pope and, and the wickedness of this guy. So, in 1958, he became Pope's youngest bishop. Um, and, uh, anyway, there's there's some links here that, um, well, you can just do a keyword search. You can find this stuff out on the on the internet. So, so, again, we'll go back to the main story here. The Vatican has reportedly approved a second miracle that can be attributed to the memory of Pope John Paul II, this mass murderer, essentially, or, or responsible for the deaths of millions of Jews, probably, from the nerve gas he sold, or at bare minimum, thousands. Uh, so, thus, opening the door for him to become a saint faster than anyone in recent history. Hey, the devil honors his own. I've always said that. Satan will honor his own. And the miracle allegedly has to do with an extraordinary healing of a woman in Costa Rica who received, who recovered from a brain injury after praying to the deceased Pope. Again, where's the Bible for praying to a dead guy who was originally a Zyklon B gas salesman and was such a coward after the war he had to join the Catholic Church so he wouldn't, you know, be found out and then became you know, the youngest bishop in Poland's history, and then became the Pope. So supposedly this lady recovered from a brain injury after praying to, to this deceased Pope. So that that's put him on this fast track for... Uh, he's burning in hell. He can care less. Guaranteed. <laughs> you know? But um, the Pope needed to reach a quota of two miracles before he could become a saint. And my comment is, none of this will help him in hell. You know why? There are no trophy cases in hell. There are no trophy cases in hell. You don't take 
whatever with you. He's not down there, you know, in his in his pope robes ruling hell. <laughs> He's probably stripped naked and in um, suffering the worst, most unimaginable horrors you could ever even you can't even imagine. So in Catholicism, there are other phenomena that can help a Catholic become a saint besides miraculous healings. One is, quote, incorruptibility. When a body is found to be free of decay when exhumed from the grave. Come on. What, you're telling me they come out of the grave and they're just like, you know, fresh and and like they they haven't even whatever? The, The church considers St. Catherine of Siena to be an example. She died in... 1380 and 600 years later without any embalming her flesh allegedly hasn't decomposed <laughs> again all of this is, is totally unbiblical it's no biblical basis whatsoever another is liquefaction this is my favorite the liquefaction Okay, this is another classification or parameter for possible sainthood when the dried blood of a saint miraculously liquefies on the feast day yeah yeah, I'm not making this stuff up. The patron saint of Naples is, is this Naples, Florida or Naples, Italy? I, I just don't, anyway. Um, this, the patron saint of Naples is said to be an example of this miracle because of a vial of his dried blood allegedly liquefies every year on September 19th. Hey, I'm sold. Where do I sign up? That's all I need to see. Did you realize that the, the devil can pull these stupid parlor tricks all day long? He loves this stuff. He, the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to come through signs and lying wonders and miracles. That's the primary way they're going to deceive the whole world. Do you think it's any problem for some devil to pull off something like this on a particular day, if it's even happening at all? It's not. But people will put their trust in these garbage miracles, for the most part, at a far greater rate than they would ever put their trust in the Word of God. Um, I'm just saying for the most part. So, this blood allegedly liquefies on September 19th of every year. Another phenomenon is the... Oh, no, hold on. This is my this is my uh, favorite. The odor of sanctity. When the body of a saint allegedly exudes a sweet aroma, like roses, rather than the usual stench of decay... Wow. Now that's an impressive one. That's tough to pull off, I have to admit. The church believes the grave of St. Teresa of Alvia exuded a sweet fragrance for nine months after her death. Well, I'm sold. You know, I'll sell my soul to Satan for, for any of this garbage. I mean, sure. You know, I'll put my trust in this stuff. So this is, this is the odor of sanctity. Oh, aren't we pious and wonderful and religious and holier than thou. Oh, what a bunch of stinking, no pun intended, garbage. The process to become a saint in Catholicism also include inquiries into the person's life, reputation, and activities, and an examination of the person's written and spoken works. So, the guy that wrote this article, he said, this should have disqualified Pope John Paul when you consider he publicly declared Allah to be the one true God. These are just some of the things he did, besides the whole Zyklon B salesman thing, back before he was ever Pope. He praised Muhammad as a true prophet. He declared that Jesus, now he's doing that because, remember, the Catholic Church had a lot to do with the formation of the uh, religion of Islam. 
Okay. And if you go to Chick Publications, they've got a uh, one of those Crusader comics that gets into that in depth. And uh, it's uh, called The Prophet, if you ever want to. I'm, I'm sure there's other things out there that are more maybe more scholarly, but that's one of the things if you wanted a Cliff Note version. He said these things, and the Catholic Church is reaching out to the Islamic faith, and there's many, many people in Islam that have had apparitions from Mary. This is all being staged, just like the evangelicals that we just reported on, how they're going to come back to the mother whore. Well, Islam is also going to come back to the mother whore. And again, this is primarily going to be done through signs and line wonders and miracles and a whole bunch of you know, stuff like that. And supposed fulfillments of whatever awaited Savior any particular cult is waiting for. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. When you embrace this garbage that we're going over today, and you and you base that, and this is what you base your religion on, you are taking, you are having pleasure in unrighteousness, and you will be sent strong delusion unless God has mercy on you, and or, or unless you know you take it upon yourself to try to see what the truth really is, and God intervenes and has mercy on you and, and opens your eyes to the truth, and I mean that's what. We, we need to pray for these people that they are shown the truth. But most people just don't want the truth. They want to live in delusion and lies. Um, they don't want to have to answer to a holy God. They want to have to answer to the God of their choosing, of their making. And typically their religion provides them that. Because they can do it through their own works. So, anyway. Um, it Things that should have disqualified John Paul II. Uh, he publicly declared Allah to be the one true God. He praised Muhammad as a true prophet. He declared that Jesus is not necessary for our salvation when he said, quote, all who seek God with a sincere heart, including those who do not know Christ, will enter God's kingdom, end of quote. Quote from him. He also embraced evolution. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, evolution isn't diametrically opposed, opposed to the Bible, is it? I mean... Come on, I mean, it, it couldn't be more diametrically opposed. He kissed the Quran. I sent that picture out. Um, and an act that would be considered blasphemy or sacrilege. Regarding his moral character, he ordered bishops and cardinals to conceal and protect priests who raped and sexually molested young boys. Oh yeah, he did all of that. Some bishops even facilitated bribes to the victims on the condition they keep their allegations secret. This is what a vile, wicked den of devils the Catholic Church is. And he enabled all of this. Hey, if, if, if you don't have any, any conscience about selling Zyklon B nerve gas to the Holocaust centers of Nazi Germany, if that was your job, I mean, talk about blood money. If you have no problem with that, you'll do anything. And this is why he was a perfect candidate to be Pope. And this next guy they got, and there's no better than him. The one that's in there right now. Catholics need to be aware that Satan will deceive the world through lying signs and wonders. Jesus warned, quote, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Now, again, I don't think that's KJV there, but it's, it's um, what the version he was talking about. And then he goes on to say, the Apostle Paul wrote, 
the coming of the lawless one is the is by the activity of Satan, who's all power and false signs and wonders. And now this is I, I, I view this as a paraphrase, okay, because it's not KJV, but with all power and, and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Well, again, I gave you the actual correct translation of what I just quoted earlier, but. Yeah, those are verses you can use to prove that, that and again, I, I'd even went over them prior to even reading them here. These are verses that can be used to um, to prove this point. The, the, these are things that are going to happen and um, are happening, essentially. John Paul II could become a saint just eight years after his death. The modern record for the shortest time from death to sainthood is 27 years by the founder of Opus Die, <laughs> totally wicked Catholic sect, cult. If only John Paul II had repented and believed the gospel, he would have already been a saint. The word saint occurs 67 times in the New Testament and it means consecrated to God, holy, sacred, or pious. According to scripture, the saints are the body of Christ, born-again Christians which make up the true church of Jesus Christ. Christians are saints by virtue of their connection with Jesus Christ, not by what they do. In other words, it's not not of works lest any man should boast, is the way the Bible talks about it. Uh, what a contrast this is to the ungodly traditions of the Roman Catholics. In Catholicism, saints are revered and prayed to and venerated and worshipped, essentially. In the Bible, saints revere, worship, and pray to God, Jesus Christ, Father God, alone. So, there's a huge, obviously, problems with all of this. I'm going to go ahead and end part one here. We're going to go to part two next. God bless you.